Most weight loss programs are short-term fixes, but managing your weight needs a long-term solution. And that's what makes Noom different. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long-term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Welcome to the First Pitch Podcast, brought to you by PitcherList.com, your daily morning podcast, updating you on everything you need to know to win your fantasy baseball league. Here's your host, Jake Crumpler. What's up, fellow fantasy managers? Welcome back to another episode of the First Pitch Podcast brought to you by PitcherList.com. My name is Jake Crumpler, and as always, I'm taking over for Bubba as the host of the weekend editions of the podcast. You can follow me at Jake Crumpler on Twitter, and you can find all of my work at CrumplerBaseball.com. Let's dive into everything baseball-related from Friday, April 7th. We had 14 games on Friday. The only teams off were the Red Sox and the Tigers. We'll kick it off as always with the transactions, injuries, news, and notes. We'll use the sour note as our our first tone of the day, diving into the injuries from around the league. The first one is Derek Hall, a first baseman for the Philadelphia Phillies. He has a sprained right thumb and it has been discovered that he tore the UCL in that thumb, but he is optimistic that he won't miss too long. Right now he's on the 10-day IL, but right now I would think that the timeline is probably about two months or so, but it's likely that he could be back sooner than that or he could be back later it's still up in the air I also wasn't aware that there was a UCL in the hand I always connect that with the elbow so it was nice to learn something new there the transaction that they made in response to that was calling up infielder outfielder Cody Clemens to the major league roster and yes that is Roger Clemens son he was at the game on Friday watching him make his Phillies debut another injury a really sad one Jake Odorizzi will miss the rest of the season after undergoing an arthroscopic procedure on his shoulder so sad to to hear that we won't see Jake Odorizzi this season, but I w- wish him a speedy recovery. Outfielder Kyle Isbell of the Kansas City Royals returned from the paternity list. It wasn't an injury, but he's back, and that meant first baseman Nick Prado was optioned back to AAA. And the final injury note is Michael Harris II being placed on the 10-day IL with a lower back sprain. We weren't sure whether or not that injury was going to force him to the IL, but now we are 100% sure that he will be out for at least 10 days, so hopefully we get a speedy recovery because Harris is a very valuable piece of many fantasy teams. Outfielder Eli White was recalled. It looks like for now we're going to be seeing a platoon of Sam Hilliard and Kevin Pillar in center field for the Braves and it's really been an injury plagued division in the NL East this year thus far. In terms of news, according to Anthony DeComo, Justin Verlander expressed significant confidence that he can return before the end of April as he's dealing with that right terrace major strain. I would love to see Justin Verlander back the reigning AL Cy Young Award winner. So hopefully this means we could see him in the next couple of weeks. So get prepared to activate him from your IL in the near future. We also have starting pitcher news. Johnny Brito of the New York Yankees will be recalled today to start for the Yankees. So probably not somebody that I'm streaming, but worth noting that he has been the first man called upon twice already this season. Now that we got the news and notes out of the way, we'll move on to the notable performances from around the league on Friday, starting off with the 
the hitters that took the league by storm. The first batter we'll look at is Brian Reynolds of the Pittsburgh Pirates as he once again helped his team to a win against the White Sox. He has been crazy this year. He went three for five on Friday with three runs, a home run, a triple, and six RBIs. He's now batting 448 on the season and his five home runs lead Major League Baseball. The home run he hit on Friday traveled 414 feet at 106.9 miles per hour and the triple that he hit was actually an inside the park grand slam that was ruled a triple because of a bad throw to third. So he basically had two home runs and has been absolutely unstoppable thus far to start the season. It's pretty nice to see after he took a step back last year. So it looks like he's back to form and a career season could see him marry the 300 average he posted in 2021 with the 27 home runs he hit in 2022. So this is a guy that could bat 300 with 30 home runs and his ceiling could rise even more if he does get traded to another team with a better lineup surrounding him leading to more runs and RBI. So definitely hold on to your Brian Reynolds shares. Evan Longoria against the Dodgers in a win for the Diamondbacks went three for three with two runs, a home run, a double, an RBI, and a walk. His home run traveled 398 feet and left the bat at 104.4 miles per hour. He is in a strict platoon at third base on the short side playing just against lefties. Josh Rojas gets the start against righties. So we likely won't see him get back to his peak days in Tampa Bay when he was a 30 home run hitter. But don't forget that he had a renaissance in San Francisco where he posted double digit barrel rates that resulted in two above average seasons that were sort of reduced by injuries. So don't count out that if you do need a bat at a stream and you know that the Diamondbacks are facing a lefty, this is a guy that you can call upon who can provide some great fantasy value just for a day or two. Elsewhere, we saw Shea Langoliers do really well for the A's in a loss against the Rays. He went two for three with two runs, a home run, an RBI, and a walk. It was his first home run of the year and it traveled 440 feet, which ties for the fifth longest home run distance of the day. It also left the bat at 111.6 miles per hour, which is impressive for a home run. This is a guy just like Mitch Garver that I mentioned last weekend that likely went somewhat unnoticed in your drafts because he didn't have catcher eligibility. He was util only. So many people likely if they weren't sorting under util or were sorting by catcher and looking for him, they didn't find him. But this is a guy that should gain catcher eligibility as soon as next week in most leagues as he's already up to six games in the catcher position. And so he just needs four more to reach that 10 days of eligibility. And the most appealing thing of Langoliers is his prospect pedigree. Not only was he the ninth overall pick in 2019, but he was a top catching prospect in Atlanta before being traded to Oakland as part of the Matt Olson deal. In AAA for Oakland in 2022, he played 92 games and batted 283, 366, 510 with 19 home runs and a 116 WRC plus. Upon his call-up, he struck out a bit too much in his brief 40-game debut, but he did show impressive stat cast metrics, including a 112 mile per hour max exit velocity and a nearly 10% barrel rate, which is very solid. And the fact that he struck out so much last year was disappointing, but he seems to be doing much better this year as he struck out just three times in 24 plate appearances, which is good for a 12.5% strikeout rate. So keep an eye on him as he's batting in the bottom of the order and could quickly move up because that order isn't too great. And he does have a lot of potential and he's a guy that could be super valuable in two catcher leagues. I'm not sure if he would crack the top 12 of catchers right now. So single catcher leagues, 12 teamers, not sure if he fits there, but two catcher leagues, this is a guy that probably was likely already drafted. And if not, definitely go swoop him up because he will gain catcher eligibility soon enough. And you can remove him from your bench and put him in your lineup. The last batter we'll talk about is Julio Rodriguez as he helped the Mariners to a win in Cleveland, going two for five with a run, a home run, two RBIs and a steal. That's a combo meal for anyone keeping track. He's not up to two homers and three steals on the season. That home run traveled just 386 feet and 
went just 104.2 miles per hour, but it counts all the same. He was one of just two players to record a sock and a shoe on the day alongside Francisco Lindor. That'll do it for the batters that we're checking out today, but go read the Daily Batters Box article if you'd like to get more in-depth coverage of the top hitter performances from around the league every single day. Now let's check out the notable starter performances on Friday, kicking it off with the big one from Friday. Sonny Gray absolutely dominated the Astros as the Twins took home the win. He earned a no decision, but he was definitely somebody that should have been in line for the dub because he went seven innings, allowing just four hits and one and run, walking just one, but he struck out 13 batters. And along the way, he got 16 whiffs with a 37% CSW, which is good for the golden goal on the day, meaning he led all of baseball in whiffs induced and in CSW percentage. So he earns the gallows pole and the king Cole, which means he's got the golden goal. Pretty awesome showing from Sonny Gray against a really tough Houston lineup. And it's actually very notable that he did so well against them because he became one of just five pitchers since the Astros 2017 World Series Championship to collect 12 strikeouts against the team, joining Shohei Otani. Obviously, who else? He's done it twice thus far. The second one is someone who shall not be named, but is currently pitching in Japan. So that is your trivia of the day. And the other two are Garrett Cole and Lance Lynn. So amazing showing from Sonny Gray, who really relied on his breakers in this one. He went 57% usage of his curve and slider. The curveball induced six whiffs and had a 35% CSW, while the slider induced eight whiffs with a 45% CSW. Pretty impressive stuff from those two pitches as he only went 34% fastballs. That's his sinker and his four-seamer as he really dominated with his off-speed stuff. This also comes just one start after he struck out just one batter against the Royals in his first start of the year on April 1st. So definitely start contrast. Both of the starts were really good, but the first one, no strikeouts. This one, all the strikeouts. Over the past couple of years, he has dealt with injuries and pitching in Great American Ballpark, but this was a guy that had a sub three ERA with a 29% strikeout rate across 175 innings as recently as 2019. So there is a pretty solid ceiling here for a guy that just needs to stay healthy and keep pitching. He will take on the next starter we'll talk about in Chicago in his next timeout. That aforementioned starter is Lucas Giolito as he took the loss in Pittsburgh in an awful performance as he was lucky enough to take home the no decision as he tossed just four innings, allowing a whopping 12 hits, seven earned runs, walking none, but striking out just three batters. He had eight whiffs and a 35% CSW. He really struggled against a weak lineup that he should have handled easily. And this gave me nightmarish flashbacks of the blowups that caused him to have an uncharacteristically bad season last year. The thing that held him back last year was he would have stretches of doing well and then would throw everything in the trash by having a blow up just like this one, allowing a lot more than five run runs and really tanking his ratios. His walks have also been a main challenge in the past, but he might be living in the zone too much now. He might be trying to avoid doling out the free pass at this point and is just living in the zone too much. And I think that has led to him being hit around in this one. And he will need to work on the edges of the zone or outside of the zone to try to get more whiffs in the future. And like I said, that next future start will be in Minnesota against Sonny Gray. We'll keep it on the negative side. Unfortunately, these were the most notable starts. So I want to make sure we hit them. Edward Cabrera in Queens as the Marlins took home the loss. Edward Cabrera was tagged with the loss lasting not even three innings, two and two thirds. He did allow no hit 
hits, which is great. But on the other end, he walked seven batters, allowing two earned runs and struck out four batters. He had seven whiffs and a 24% CSW, but the control is clearly a problem. He has now walked 13 batters in just six and two thirds innings this year. So that's something to keep an eye on. He's had just a 50% zone rate on his fastball in this start. And that's concerning because the fastball command was Nick, Nick Pollock's main concern in the preseason. I was always confused why he was ranked so low in his rankings, but now I understand he's not able to locate his fastball and it leads to so many walks. This is a guy with a lot of potential. He's got wicked stuff, high nineties heater, great off-speed pitches, changeup, and a slider, but he's going to be a frustrating hold all year because he's going to flash his abilities and you're going to be enamored, but then he won't go deep into games or he'll do this where he just walks the whole farm and doesn't have a good start and you'll just be stuck holding him throughout the year as he never puts it together. So if you can find a way to trade him while he still has some value left, I think you could get something better back. But this is a guy that will show flashes and have some good starts, but it probably will lack consistency throughout the year. He will head to Philadelphia for his next start. But like I mentioned, Nick already, check out his daily starting pitcher roundup every day to get the rundown of all of the starting pitchers from around the league. Also go listen to the Plus Pitch podcast to hear his notes on the streamers and the starters from the day before. We'll now head over to the bullpen and talk about some relievers kicking it off with Michael Fulmer versus Texas going a pair of innings to get the save. He allowed just one hit and struck out four batters and he is proving to be the team's preferred closer option over competition like Brad Boxberger and Brandon Hughes. I would keep an eye on Adbert Azale as he has shown some really good stuff but right now it seems like the team is trusting Michael Fulmer. He displayed a great feel for all of his pitches in this one especially his new sweeper which might help him reach a higher ceiling with his strikeout rate which has not been super incredible in the past couple of years but I'm feeling pretty confident about Fulmer being the closer in Chicago right now we'll also check out the other closers that had saves or closers that didn't get saves but still pitched starting with the pitchers that recorded saves Scott Barlow was the first one getting the ninth as Araldis Chapman pitched the eighth and still was hitting 102 miles per hour Josh Hader got a save as well he looks like he's the clear-cut closer in San Diego we also saw Craig Kimbrell get the first save for a Philadelphia Phillies reliever pitching after Jose Alvarado and Gregory Soto. Sir Anthony Dominguez could still be in the mix there, but it looks like Kimbrell is the preferred option. In Baltimore, Felix Bautista recorded another save. Paul Sewald also got a save pitching after Andres Munoz, so it seems like he's the preferred option there. Also, Will Crow got the rare three-inning save, and Jordan Romano recorded a save as well. He's looking like one of the most safe relievers in all of baseball. The closers that did not record a save but still appeared in ball games were Camilo Duvall, who pitched after not pitching for a few days so he likely just needed some work Ryan Presley pitched for the Astros in a tie game which is interesting he has yet to record a save this season so I'm somewhat concerned but he did strike out the side in his appearance Yohan Duran also pitched in that game it was also a tie game and he did pitch well so I'm not sure if he's the closer just yet but he definitely is the best reliever in that bullpen and lastly we saw Kyle Finnegan pitch in a game in which the team was up big so this was definitely just a shot for him to get his confidence back he didn't allow a run but that's somebody I'm very concerned about. If you want to hear more about all of the relief pitcher performances from around the league, make sure to check out the Daily Reliever Ranks article. I will be putting out both of those this weekend, so keep an eye out for those. Before we look forward to tomorrow's games, we're going to take a quick break. Eating is an emotional experience, which is why managing your weight needs to be a psychological one. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors 
that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Start taking control of your weight management and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Sometimes it can feel like food has an emotional control over you. Well, it's time to show your food who's boss with Noom. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain, and they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Start taking control of your weight management and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Now we'll send it over to the wonderful Mark Paquette with the weather. Thank you very much, Jake. Well, looking at today's schedule, we only have one game to be really too concerned about, and this is the same game we were concerned about yesterday. That's the Padres at the Braves. Today looks really wet during the day, but guess what? This is a night game. As long as they're patient and the rain isn't too slow getting out of there, they should be able to play this game. Besides that, we're good to go everywhere, so just keep attention to the Atlanta game. Thanks, and back to you. Thanks, Mark. Looking forward to Saturday, April 8th. We'll kick it off by looking at the probable starters for tomorrow. Always leading it off with my matchup of the day. I am excited to watch Sean Manaya take on Brady Singer. We have not seen Manaya start yet, but the stuff that he did show in his one relief appearance was really cool. He was throwing like four miles per hour faster and it was crazy because Michael Kopech started the game on the other side and Manaya had higher fastball velocity than Michael Kopech. I never thought I would say those words. So I'm excited to see what Manaya's velocity looks like across a whole start and Brady Singer is always fun to watch and is one of the members of the auto start tier on the day. There are six other starters in that auto start tier, including Jeffrey Springs taking on Oakland, Kodai Senga taking on the Marlins, and Nick Lodolo going to Philadelphia to take on the Phillies. You've got six pitchers in the probably start tier and nine in the questionable start tier, and that's where we'll find our streamer of the day, Bailey Falter, as he takes on Cincinnati. Cincinnati is one of the weaker teams in baseball, just like the A's and the Pirates, but they are sort of like the Rockies in that their home ballpark is dangerous for pitchers. So when they are on the road, that is the time to stream against them. And this is the case here. Bailey Falter is a solid starter. We have not seen much of him. He's young, but he could definitely take advantage of the Reds outside of Great American Ballpark. I'd also keep an eye on Tanner Houck taking on the Tigers in Detroit. That's a pretty friendly ballpark and the Tigers are a very weak lineup. And Tanner could pay dividends for fantasy managers rolling the dice there. I'd also like to call out Jose Barrios against the Angels. I'd likely stay away from that one as his last start was awesome 
awful and I really thought he was going to bounce back after last year's struggles but this is one to watch from afar because I would like to see him have a bounce back start and show some of the stuff that we saw when he was pitching for the twins now I'll give you some hitter suggestions the main one being nationals hitters taking on Austin Gomber in Colorado the most appealing one is Jamer Candelario who is three for seven in his career against Austin Gomber and since Gomber is a lefty and Candelario is a switch hitter Candelario is a better hitter from the right side a career 108 WRC plus from that side of the plate versus a 95 WRC plus from the left side of the plate so he's someone who could do well especially taking advantage of the friendly confines of Coors Field a couple other batters I'll be keeping an eye on in this one include Michael Chavis who's two for three against Gomber and Lane Thomas who has the ability to go yard and steal a base and he's one for three with a home run already against Gomber so those guys will definitely take advantage of Gomber's lack of ability and the friendly confines of Coors Field. The other hitter matchup I'll be keeping an eye on is White Sox hitters versus Vince Velasquez in Pittsburgh. Velasquez is not the best starter and the White Sox have some pretty appealing hitters. The main one is Yasmani Grandal who is likely not available in a lot of leagues but he is four for ten with two home runs and five RBIs versus Velasquez. I would definitely stream Yasmani Grandal if I could. He is better versus lefties but he is also still a 115 WRC plus for his career hitting from the left side so he's definitely a guy to stream especially if you're streaming catchers the other two batters i would keep an eye on who are lefties in the white Sox lineup likely available on your wire include gavin sheets who's somebody you have to keep an eye on to make sure he's starting and oscar colas who is a lefty who just hit his first career home run definitely worth the stream here lastly we'll look at a couple relievers to watch i once again will just go with a couple questions i have here as there weren't any closers that were pitching on back-to-back days and will be limited today so my first question is trevor may the closer in oakland he hasn't gotten a save Danny Jimenez has gotten a save. Both of them are showing highly reduced velocity, which is very concerning. And May has been used more so as a high leverage reliever. I would love to see him get a save or two. I know for a fact they're going to trade him at this deadline. And the best way to pump up his value is to get him some saves. So I will be keeping an eye on how the Oakland bullpen usage turns out on Saturday. The other question I have is Scott McGuff the closer in Arizona. This seems to be a situation where Torrey Lavulo is turning to matchups to decide who he's using in the ninth inning. Right now, McGuff seems to be the preferred guy against right-handers and Andrew Chafin will come in versus a predominantly lefty hitting ninth inning. But McGuff has struggled thus far. His last appearance, he blew the save allowing back-to-back home runs and it is due to his lack of command on his pitches. He keeps leaving his fastball down the middle and his splitter up in the zone. He will need to fix that if he wants to continue getting opportunities in the late inning of games. If he does continue to struggle, will he move into a low leverage role? I will be keeping my eye on the Arizona bullpen on Saturday. But that'll do it for today's episode of the First Pitch Podcast. Make sure to head on over to PitcherList.com to check out all of the great articles and features we have on the site, including amazing player pages and daily DFS suggestions. Join PL Pro to gain access to the Discord, to interact with PitcherList staff and members of the community, and to utilize the in-season tools to help you win your leagues. That'll wrap up this edition of the podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Jake Crumpler. Tune in tomorrow and every day for a new install of the pod and make sure to enjoy the day as we are blessed with another day of baseball this has been the first pitch podcast brought to you by pitcherlist.com if you enjoyed today's episode rate us on itunes follow us on twitter at pitcherlist and help support what we do by joining our discord with pitcherlist plus at pitcherlist.com slash plus